Welcome to Talking Tuesday. I am your host, Fancy Quant, and today we're going to talk about the quant model problem here. So let's just dive in here. I'm going to define quant at the beginning here so no one gets confused. The reason I think this is important in the definition is because, A, if you're listening to this and you want to be a quant, it is important to understand the skills that you're going to need and what I'm actually talking about. So you don't want to listen to me tell you something and then you go do it and then you find out what you're trying to do is not what I basically I'm talking about. Uh, the other issue too comes from a corporate level. So when corporations go to hire people, they need people with very specific skills. Uh, a lot of times we loosely throw the word quant around and specifically in the student realm as well as the traditional finance realm, the term quant is loosely thrown around because people don't fully have a definition for it. So if you have a different definition, it's completely fine. Uh, but I define quants as those that actually build mathematical and statistical models, okay? You're a model developer of some sorts. You build models, you work with models in this sense. You're not the model user, you're not the model implementer. Um, these are other people that do other jobs, so I'm not going to get into that. But there's really two people here, two kind of categories of jobs on the sell side, which I'm going to more specifically narrow down as the banking side. Um, again, these are all going to apply to the buy side they just have different names for them, like quant researcher, for example. Uh, quant researchers, we typically call model developers at banks. Uh, we also have model validators, which again, the buy side, hedge funds, investing side, they should have these. Not all of them do. Um, again, I'm not going to get into the nuanced details. I don't work at these firms. Uh, different firms have different policies. Anyways, I'm not going to get into it too much here. Uh, but really what a quant does is they build statistical and mathematical models, and there's really kind of a process for this. And the process is going to be, you know, a model owner or a model user is going to need some sort of model to solve some sort of problem. So you can think about this as, you know, somebody wants to create a statistical arbitrage uh, opportunity using different types of assets. A quant researcher on the buy side would go through, look at opportunities, look at assets, try to come up with some stats arbitrage between different ones create some sort of model for this, explain the model to the user who would be like, for example, a trader here, where they'd you know, give this to a quant dev who would actually implement this into code and then a trader would use it. So that's one example. The other example is going to be on the banking side here. The banking side is going to have someone that needs some sort of model, like how do we price loans? Uh, how do we monitor and manage our operational risks? How do we set operational strategy? So a lot of times people don't realize this. There are operational research teams at banks uh, they actually use models. They don't build them. They do analytics as well, which is different, but they build models or <laughs> they don't build models. They uh, they take models and they have a need for models and quants build those. And then they actually use those to set the strategic limits based on the scoring. So a lot of times we have scores, for example, on credit scorecards uh, for loans. This helps price them, predict probability of defaults and you know loss given default and all that. And then the operational research team does analytic on those scores and draws lines in the sand basically on this is the cutoff value we're gonna use. Anybody, for example, that is riskier than this, we're not gonna make a loan to. Anybody safer than this, we'll make a loan to, uh, given these parameters. Again, all come into the modeling framework. So step one is you're gonna have a need for a model. Uh, step two is gonna be model development's going to build a model. Uh, and this is gonna be building it, reviewing it, processing it, all that. Step three is going to be uh, model validation comes and looks at your model, reviews your model. Step four is implementing the model. And then step five is really model usage and ongoing performance monitoring. So it doesn't matter if you're at the bank, hedge fund, whatever. These are the steps that you should be going through regardless of where you're at, what you're doing. Uh, they're important. 
Uh, so I'm gonna dive into this now on the banking side specifically. We have regulations called SR 11.7. Um, again, you can Google it, you can read about it, but one of these important aspects is that model development stays separated from model validation. Okay, so let's go into regulations real quick. I think regulations are extremely important in finance, banking, quant finance, insurance, and all that, because the sad reality is people are very, very reward hungry. They're very greedy. It's a natural state. I don't think this is actually a bad thing. Um, of course, there are bad consequences from it, but you need to look at things in finance and really understand the core basics of finance, which is there's a risk reward trade-off. So if you think about this, this is more like a coin. One side is risk, one side is reward. Uh, the higher the amount of risk you take, the higher the expected return should be. It's not realized return, it's the expected return. Um, again, we fail to see this often and we chase really high reward scenarios in banks, hedge funds, doesn't matter. Insurance companies like AIG has been known for this. Uh, they took really risky positions. They didn't monitor their risks accordingly. They didn't hedge risks accordingly. They didn't really take into consider the full spectrum here. Um, so I think regulations are great on this aspect. Yes, I think there is some ridiculousness behind some of the regulations, the way they're implemented, uh, the way the incentive structures are set up for banks, hedge funds, and regulators in a kind of a tandem between how these things actually function and work. I don't like how a lot of these are set up. I think they could do a much better job. Uh, but this video is not about me ranting about changes and enhancements and regulations because, again, people on both sides of the spectrum, the regulators and the banks would be upset because I'd be encouraging actually more freedoms and more regulation in different areas. But the real problem we're going to come to and we want to talk about is the quant model problem. So with any model, stats or data science related, you're going to start asking the question or you should be asking the question, is this model good enough? Right? And there's not really an easy solution or an easy answer for this. Uh, you can set up ridiculous things like, okay, I want the fit to be greater than X amount, I don't know, say 0.98 or something, and I want, I don't know, your AIC or your BIC, you know, I want them to be these values, and you can set up ridiculous things like that. But in practice, you typically have other needs above and beyond fit. Uh, one, the, the biggest thing that most firms are looking for is robustness. I'm not going to go into which models are more robust than other ones. And a lot of this comes down to correctly applying model development practices and selecting the right model structure. Uh, but you want fit, you want robustness. And then also there are all these typically lovers, I'm going to call them. There are variables and things that the business user wants inside the model. So why would you want specific variables in a model? Why are you trying to force these in? Again, if you only care about fit, um, right, throw in whatever you want. If you only care about robustness and fit, Again, you can go and listen to just your data, which is one aspect and one approach you can take. But often the way that the model is going to be used is that you wanna do stress testing, for example. So you need variables in there where you can adjust them and create different scenarios. And perhaps some variables that a bank might have or a firm might have, you have scenarios already built for them. Whereas something new, creative, hodgepodge, I don't know, something different that you don't have currently might be challenging to create scenarios for. Uh, Again, the way that a business or trader uses a tool, for example, or uses these models, they might be able to control specific aspects where other aspects are modeled or market driven and you don't have any control over them. Um, again, so being able to create models that fit the usage puts restrictions and constraints on actually modeling the problem here. So you start thinking about, okay, so what's good enough, right? And how do we determine what's good enough? So one of these big issues of concern I see consistently is that 
you have model development who's building models and then you have validation that's validating models and we stop we don't stop, I guess, a lot of times to look at what is the scenarios that could come out of this, right? So one, you could have a bad development team and a bad validation team. And let's say, I don't know, development builds a simple average model for a complex problem, which needs a statistical model and it's easily available, but it's a little more challenging and you need higher skills and rigor and understanding of the problem. But if your development team doesn't understand anything and they're much more simplified, they might just take an average of something, maybe do groupings and take an average equivalent to a decision tree here. And then they'll pass it to validation. And then if your validation team's weak, they're gonna look at it and go, makes complete sense to me. And they're just gonna sign off on it and then they'll use this model. Uh, again, in this scenario, right, you might have a model that doesn't fit that great. It's not very robust. Or you might have a model that fits amazing. That's not very robust. Or you might have a model that doesn't meet business needs and expectations. And then typically you have feuds and fights and conflicts between development validation and the model users because now you're trying to figure out what's going on here whose responsibility is it to fix it. And so this is the scenario where you have bad development, bad validation. Uh, the second scenario is going to be you have bad development and great validation. Now this causes a lot of conflict in banks. Um, I can tell you this from firsthand experience. If you have weak development, they spend a lot of time and they build a model and they put their best foot forward and they build what they think is a model fit for you. So answering that question, the model is good enough according to development. Um, a lot of times though, it's not good enough for the business user, which I've had scenarios where that's occurred. And then if validation comes and nitpicks it apart and says, this model is terrible, it is none fit for use, we're gonna reject it and we're gonna fail it. Now this starts creating contentions between development and validation. Again, I'm not gonna talk about the business users because they might be involved in this too and you have a three-way battle going on. This gets even more complex. Uh, but now the issue is, is that development, I get both sides. So I've worked on development, I've worked on validation. If you're on development and you put your best foot forward and those are the maximum skills you have and now you're being criticized telling you didn't do your job right, what do you do? You don't have a lot of options here. Um, and then regulations, so SR 11.7, part of the banking regulations here, uh, prevents development and validation from working together. I agree they should be separated, but this causes problems now again because if validation basically, or development here feels like, you know, validation's throwing basically eggs at them and making fun of them. Development feels like they can't fix the problem or they don't know how to fix the problem or they think their model is good enough and they're gonna fight you to the death because of it. And half of this comes from the ego factor. So quants have egos, people have egos, everybody struggles with this at some, some point in their life and you know, different jobs. But your ego can tie into this. And now you have even egos from validation playing into this. They're not wrong, they're not backing down, they're not gonna pass your model, you can't use it. Now development's upset, they can't figure out what to do. And so now you have this issue where Life just sucks, okay? And validation has to step back sometimes and realize, okay, you're basically nitpicking the problem and saying there are issues. I have no issues against this. So not surprising as I'm a validator. But at the same time, you have you have to think about the business usage and you have to think about uh, what's feasible for development. And I know this is cringeworthy of quants everywhere, especially if you consider yourself a hardcore quant and you spend a lot of hours studying, working on models and everything. But sometimes you have to accept the model sucks and we're going to use it. And when these scenarios occur, the smartest thing to do is to actually list out all of the issues with the model, all of the risks associated with it, and try to come out with ways that you can monitor those risks. So one key example here I work with a lot, most of you aren't going to be surprised, but it's stationarity. So you have time series models that are non-stationary. I am extremely against using these sorts of models. Uh, but there are some sets of data that just can't be made stationary and you have to have a model to monitor it. If that's the case, you need to come up with some sort of 
ongoing performance monitoring where you're using it, you're monitoring the model and you understand what's wrong with the model. Uh, again, then you can see when it's deteriorating, you can take action, you can redevelop or you can refit your model quickly and hopefully come up with some sort of solution so you're not in a bad situation here. Um, the other thing is you kick it back and you force development to fix it, but the issue is a lot of time development doesn't know what to do to fix it and validation's technically not supposed to tell them and build the model. Um, but one thing I like to see, so again, you might think this violates SR117, depending if you're a regulator or a bank, depending who you are. Uh, but I think a lot of times it's validation's responsibility to say, hey, there's a problem. This is why it's a problem. And these are potential solutions. Validation should not, though, step one, take one step further in saying, this is the best solution. This is the only solution. And this is the solution you must do. That violates the separation between development and validation. Uh, again, if you have weak development teams, this is where the struggle really comes because if validation says, hey, this model sucks and you can't use it and this is why, but they don't mention any potential solutions, um, then this creates an issue where development's stuck. They can't actually do anything because they're not qualified to do this and validation's upset. And a lot of times we have to use a model. So I mean, imagine a bank where you have a model such as, I don't know, one that prices loans, for example and validation fails it. Well, what do you do at that point, right? You can't just say, we're just gonna, I don't know, randomly draw loan applicants and say, we're just gonna pick whoever. Uh, you still have to have some sort of model. And if you don't have another model in place that you can fall back on, which is another solution here, right? If you have an older model, not performing as well, but it's better than the new model, you can sometimes rely on the old model and then force a redevelopment again. Uh, but if not, you can fall back on an old model. But if not, right, you don't have this option here. You have to use the crappy model you've got. So this is kind of an issue here as well. So this creates a ton of contention between validation and development. Again, validation's job is to find problems. Development's job is to develop models. This naturally causes conflict between the two. I don't think you necessarily need this. Um, one way around this is a senior management fix, which nobody likes to do. It's not fun. It's not pretty. Um, Senior management just needs to come in and either say, hey, development needs to get trained better. So education, 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 as I always continually talk about, or your validation team, I don't know, you need to come in and create some sort of fix for validation, understands that it's a crappy team. Um, but the best solution is probably the education route. I mean, you can fire people, you can replace people. It is extremely challenging to find top quant talent. I'll let you know that up front. doesn't matter what schools you choose, top rated, low rated. It is extremely hard to find qualified people to run and manage quant teams and to train quant teams because most people don't have the education to do the training, even if you bring in academics. So this is the worst scenario. Uh, the other scenario, which is even scarier and has less issues, but probably more damage, is when you have a really strong model development team and you have a weak validation team. The reason this is scary is because if development builds models and they're fairly strong, but there are slight issues or they accidentally miss something. So people ask me a lot, Nature, why even have a validation team? Well, one, regulations. Two, we all make mistakes. I have actually been model development and I've made a mistake and I missed a test and read it actually backwards and selected the wrong model because of this. Yes, I make mistakes just like everybody else, but it happens. And so you need a strong validation team to catch those mistakes. Now, if validation's weak and they don't catch it, now you're just making models with basically no validation team because they're not catching it and it's going through. Uh, you can still have contention issues where your weak validation team now is finding nonsensical <laughs> findings and issues with your model, which aren't really that serious of an issue or have already been mitigated or actually aren't an issue 
But again, validation doesn't know what they're doing. So then you end up in a similar situation as the first one where now we either have models sliding by that shouldn't have slid by and mistakes that were not caught. And then worse off, you still have the contention issue that now validation might be creating nonsensical garbage and is fighting against your development team. And then finally, the best solution, which I hardly ever see, which is you have a really strong development team and a really strong validation team. And because they're both strong, you have actually a really well put together team process for developing models because now you have really good models being developed when mistakes are made or issues are not seen or maybe a model user has an issue with the way it was constructed validation can come in catch these mistakes kick it back to development development can make fixes and we can move forward here so a few key takeaways here with all this conflict with these issues and defining this question of what's good enough for a model um the first one's going to be, you're going to have to learn in the industry to accept the best you can get. I know this is a really challenging aspect, but models aren't perfect. There's no way to get perfect fit, right? There's no way to come to a solution and say, oh, this metric guarantees it's a good model. Um, you're going to have to learn to make some sacrifices. Uh, the other piece here is going to be, you need to get really, really good quants. You need to find someone to educate and train them. So it doesn't matter if they're PhDs from the top schools and the top universities. The industry is very, very different from academia. You're going to have data that's not modelable or has issues and there's no way to fix it. So you need to come up with creative solutions and ways to model and monitor these issues so we know when it fails and how it's going to fail, uh, what's going to be the main cause. Uh, Again, you need education and training. Finding someone to do this is nearly impossible. I emphasize this constantly. People like laugh and joke and then behind closed doors when I'm talking to banks at conferences, for example, uh, it's just bankers all around. It's not recorded. People are admitting to me, yeah, we're really struggling. We can't find top quants. We don't want to pay enough. We don't want to train them. Or we bought it, brought in the best quants from these banks. We poached them. We paid them a bunch of money. And it's still not working out. And now we're upset. So now it's like, what do you do? You wasted a bunch of money. You're not getting good models. Uh, training is a big aspect of this. Trying to incorporate in research inside of these teams is extremely important. One, this stimulates your quants. And two, it comes up with unique solutions to solve problems as you're moving down the road. No, I am not a massive fan of dumping tons of money into education programs just for the sake of educating and then creating all kinds of research projects which aren't relevant to your bank. You need to, do, to train, educate, and research along the lines of the issues you're currently having so you can come up with really, really good solutions. So that's going to be a crucial piece here. Uh, and then finally, the biggest takeaway of everything here is that models are not perfect. And when you have weaknesses and limitations inside of models, things that don't work, things you can't solve, you need to explicitly list them in your documentation and make it known to everybody that is going to use this. Now, I know this is extremely challenging for model developers to do because it seems like I'm not a good model developer. I didn't actually do my job. I couldn't find a good model. Okay. Data in the industry is hard. There's not always a perfect solution. There's not always a statistical solution. Um, but again, where's the trade-off and how do you know that? How do you know your development team's not garbage? How do you know you have the the right people? Again, guys, that's that's the tough question. I don't know how we're going to answer that. Um, but again, training education is a big piece here. But, but developers aren't going to want to explicitly list their issues and limitations. Like basically, I couldn't fix these problems. We need to specify that. But those are extremely important to list because then everybody using the model, validating the model, anyone who comes in contact with that model understands what its limits are and how it should be used and what side of framework, right, that we should be using it. 
Also, you should have performance monitoring in place to address these issues, right? We know that, I don't know, this variable is very unstable and it's inside of a model. We monitor that variable by some sort of metric, for example, like, I don't know, KS or something. And you look at the deviations with that, it's one potential solution here. But looking at these, understanding these, and explicitly listing these is the crucial aspect here to having a really safe, well-designed and put together model development and validation team here for quants. So anyways, those are kind of my two cents on this. I just wanted to talk a lot about this because I don't think a lot of practitioners wanna talk about it explicitly because it makes you seem like a weak team or a weak company. Uh, students don't realize it. Uh, senior management obviously misses this a lot and they don't fully understand why there are feuds. They don't understand why models aren't working, right? They're not in that realm. They don't understand the technical aspects here. And often quants don't communicate very well. So it's hard to explain all the issues and dynamics, both technically uh, and on that emotional level between, you know, dynamics of groups and I don't know, conflicting interests here. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, until next time.